Well, good morning, friends at Woodbine. It is such a pleasure to be worshiping with you online uh, on this first Sunday in 2021. And so, you know, in many churches, we come to church on the first Sunday of a new year expecting, you know, this big, what's the vision? What's the mission? What's my pastor calling me to do this year? What are the things in my life that I need to change and in where do I need to kind of make this recommitment? And so as over these past couple weeks, as I have just processed through what the Lord may have us here this morning, um, I just kept coming back to the heart of the gospel. And you know, I admit sometimes in my life, I find myself in a place where I'm thinking, what's next? We live in a culture and in a society when we look all around us and we find ourselves thinking, what's the next big thing? You know, what's the next social media thing that everyone is going to flock towards? What's the next newest and nicest vehicle? What is the next big thing in my neighborhood, in my school, in my church, in my city? And so it's, it's easy for many of us myself, I admit as well, to find ourselves in a place in our faith where we're saying, what is next? What's the next big thing that God is calling me to? Where do I need to grow? But I want to remind us all of something this morning. We never graduate from the gospel, regardless of whether you have been a follower of Jesus Christ For one day or one month or one year or 50 years, God still calls us to be rooted and to go deeper into the message of the gospel. And so this morning, as you saw in the intro video, um, we are in a series here at Woodbine in the Gospel of Luke that is called Jesus on Mission. This is a vital message for us to understand. Because Jesus was on mission and is on mission, we too, as his followers, as his apprentices, are called also to be on mission. The problem comes when we try to be on mission without truly understanding the mission of Jesus. These two things must be aligned, and so we must dig deeper into the gospel in order to understand what is this mission that God has called us to. And so this morning, um, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about knowing who you are, knowing who I am as a child of God and as someone who's called to be on mission. And so from this passage in Luke chapter 3 this morning, we're going to answer three questions. What does the Bible say about who we are? Secondly, what does the Bible say about who God is? And lastly, what does that mean for us today, and our mission. But before we jump into that, join me in prayer. Father, we are thankful and grateful for your word. We acknowledge and we recognize that your word has a lot to say about who we are and who God is and what that means for us. And as we dig in this morning, the first Sunday in 2021, help us to set aside the burdens that we may be carrying, 
Help us for a moment to focus on your word and the truth that we find in scripture instead of focusing on the stress and the anxiety and the worry and the fear that we carry into this new year. And help us to sit in the truth of the gospel. We pray this in your name. Amen. So in Luke chapter 3, we find uh, Jesus in his baptism and this voice from heaven. And in just a minute, we're going to look at what this tells us about who God is. But first, we need to answer the question, who are we? So let me look elsewhere to Scripture and pull a few things in just to remind us all about who we are this morning. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we read, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I want to focus on three aspects of this scripture. First, the word all. Okay, that includes me, that includes you, that includes Pastor Doug, Chris, that includes all of us. Not anyone is excluded from this message of Paul in Romans chapter 3 that all have fallen short of the glory of God. Secondly, all have sinned. Okay, this is a word that we use in church, and and if you're joining us this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, just give me a second to explain this. This word sin, it carries um, significant weight. And when we hear someone say the word sin, our immediate response is always to resist and push back a little bit. Are you, you're calling me a sinner? Let me define sin this morning as something very simple. Anything that is contrary to God's will for our life, and that is called sin. We may find ourselves asking ourselves or thinking, well, I'm a good person. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I make mistakes here and there, but deep down in my heart, I am good. Now, let me challenge that by asking you a few things. Do you lock your door at night before you go to sleep? Do you keep your money in a bank account instead of keeping a wad of cash out on your kitchen table where someone can view from the outside what you have inside? Do you do things like put a password or fingerprint or face recognition on your cell phone so that nobody else can open it up and have access to what you have on there? My guess is if you're like me, you answer yes to most or all of those questions. And why is that? It's because we know the truth about the people around us. We don't leave our doors unlocked because we're afraid of the sinful nature in someone else to break into our homes and to move into our space and take what we belong. We put our money into bank accounts, among other things, because we don't trust holding our money in our hands, much less out in plain sight of who others can view. We put passwords on our cell phones because many of us have private information, such as credit card numbers, on our phone, and we do not want anyone else to have access to that. So if we recognize that we make decisions every day to protect ourselves against the sinful nature of other people, we must also recognize that that same sinful nature is inside of ourselves. And lastly, Romans 23 says that we all fall short. We fall short of the glory of God. God has called us to this standard, and yet we all fall below that standard. So what does this mean for us as human beings? In Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. Now, I'm not talking about 
a, a death from this temporal life, this physical form that we have here on earth, although, as we know, we all will die. This is referring to an eternal separation from God. And so, all of us as human beings, we sin, we fall short of where God has called us to be, and the consequences of that is eternal separation from God. Yet the good news at the end of Romans 6.23 is this, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, and this is a free gift. So even though we are sinners, even though we all fall short of God's glory, and even though what we deserve for that is the penalty of eternal separation from God, we receive this gift. The Apostle Paul reminds us over and over and over again in his writings that this gift of eternal life is called unmerited grace. He writes in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, and yet because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Jesus Christ. So, friends, if we acknowledge this truth that we find in Scripture, that we are all sinners, yet the unmerited and perfect and gracious gift of our Lord Jesus Christ is salvation, salvation from our sins, then we can stop trying so hard to earn the grace that has been so freely given to us. So first, who are we? We are sinners saved by the gracious gift of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Second, what does the Bible say about who God is? And this is where we're going to look and really dig into the passage this morning. Let me read this one more time for us in Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. When all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. As he was praying, heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So we see here in Scripture that our God is a triune God, meaning that although he is one God, he exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. We see in these verses a voice, this voice of the Father came and said, you are my beloved Son. We see God as the Father here, and this is the same Father that back in Genesis created the stars and the moon, created the skies, the animals, the plants that created mankind. This is the same father who called his people out of slavery in Egypt and onto the promised land. This is the same father who spoke through the prophets in the Old Testament to rebuke his people and to call them back into relationship with him. And this is the same father who ultimately chose to send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to come in human form, to live his life of ministry, to do the miracles after miracle, to teach the truth of the gospel, and one day to die on the cross and to raise after three days so that we may have eternal life. So in here, we see God the Father. We see God the Son, 
God the Father is speaking directly, and he says, you are my beloved son. So we see here that Jesus Christ is the son of God, but does that mean that Jesus is truly God incarnate? We can look to the Gospel of John in chapter 1, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. So who is this Word that John is referring to in these first few verses? This Word is Jesus, God in human form. And he existed in the beginning, meaning that as God the Father spoke and he created, Jesus was with him participating in the process of creation from the very beginning as the Son. So yes, this means that Jesus Christ is God in human form. And lastly, we see God as spirit in these verses. It says, the Holy Spirit descended upon him, speaking of Jesus, in physical appearance like a dove. Once again, a return to the creation story. And Genesis 1 also helps us see the Spirit's role in this triune God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says, The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And this is the same Spirit that moves powerfully in the lives of of men who penned scripture and who gave us the living and active word of God. This is the same spirit who descended on Jesus immediately after he was baptized, who worked in the lives of the early church and who lives today to guide us, to reveal the truth of scripture to us, and to convict us of sin so that we may run to the foot of the cross. So friends, in Luke 3, we see that God is Father, that he is Son, and that he is Spirit, that our God is the creator and the sustainer of all things, and that he is worthy to be praised for what he has done. We acknowledge that we are sinners, evil and wicked, in the core of our hearts, yet God loved us and he sent his Son so that we may receive the free gift of grace. So now that we have seen who we are, and we acknowledge who God is as we see here in Luke chapter 3, we come to the third question this morning. What does this mean for us and our mission? Let me ask you the question. What would you say that this means for your life and your mission? Think deeply for just a minute on these truths that I've just helped us understand. That in our hearts, we choose what is contrary to the will of God more times than we choose what God has in plan and in store for us. That the truth of Scripture reveals that at the very core of who we are, We fall short of where God has called us to be. And yet, in his love and in his grace and in his mercy, God sends his one and only son to come to earth, to die the death on the cross that we deserved, to take the sins and the burden that come along with that on his shoulders, to bury that sin. 
yet raised again in new life so that you and I may receive the gift of salvation. What does that mean for you this morning? I know for me, as I, as I sit and I think in that, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is actually this deep burden, this sense of, I owe God something. And while that's true, we do owe God something. I think where God wants us to sit this morning as we enter into a new year is less about reflecting on how evil and wicked our sin is, though that's true, and more about how good the gracious gift of salvation and eternal life is. So as we look back on the year 2020, you know, for some of us who maybe have weathered the best out of this, it was still a difficult year. It was still a tough year. Okay, so at best, we're kind of limping into 2021. And at worst, maybe for some of us who have suffered significantly from the tornado that passed in March, or for some of us who have lost loved ones who we care deeply about as a result of this pandemic. For those of us who have struggled to wrap our minds around the reality of the discord that exists in society with politics and race and social issues, and the list goes on, maybe for some of us, we're hardly even crawling into 2021, much less limping. But the good news this morning is that God has come for those of us who are limping. God has come for those of us who are barely crawling into this year. Yet each one of us alone must answer this question, what does this truth of Scripture mean for me? I want to read these words from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I've been reflecting on these verses for the past couple weeks um, and just want you to sit in them for a moment. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'm going to read from verse 7 to verse 18, says this. And if you want to sit and close your eyes for a moment and just let these words, this truth of Scripture, sink in, please do that. These won't be on the screen. Um, I, I would even ask if there's anything around you that's distracting you at this moment to just set it aside for a moment, sit and take in this truth of Scripture. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way. In every way we are afflicted but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed. Listen to the strong language here. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore we speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, 
Everything is for your benefit. So that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Therefore, friends, as we enter 2021, we do not give up. Even though our outer person, or even though as the world and society and culture around us is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Terrell, you and the band can go ahead and uh, come on up here. Here's what I want us to focus on this morning, that in light of who we are, in light of how Scripture defines us as all being sinners who are saved by grace, and in light of the fact that Scripture speaks very directly to us about who God is, here's what I want us to think about as we move into 2021. Therefore, we do not give up. Our trials and our tribulations and the tests from this past year have knocked us down in more ways than one. Yet what we see here in Scripture in 2 Corinthians is Paul reminding us to not look around at the chaos around us, to not reflect upon the challenges and the struggles in our lives to the place where we lose sight on the goodness and the reality about who God is. And as we get knocked down time and time again, and there seems to be no great end in sight to the chaos that goes around us in society right now, Jesus is calling each and every one of us, do not give up. Do not lose hope that God is renewing us day by day. And so this morning, I urge you, I beg you, instead of focusing on all the things that go around us, take a moment to reflect and think deeply on what God is doing inside of us. Not to lose heart, but to press in more and more to the good and gracious gift that we receive through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. Father, we're thankful that that even though we all fall short of your glory, even though we all fail to live up to who you've called us to be, that by your goodness and your grace, you sent your one and only son. That this is the good news of the gospel, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so this morning we acknowledge before you the reality of the condition of our heart, yet we celebrate in the fact that Jesus came for that. So Father, as we enter into a new year, many of us with hopes and aspirations, many of us with resolutions and goals for what you may be calling us to this year, 
Help us to not get so far ahead of ourselves in achieving these things that we lose sight of this truth, that Jesus came and he loved us and he died for us. Father, help us not to ever feel like we've graduated from the gospel, but help us to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the truths that the gospel reveals. Father, we are so grateful for this new year. We thank you for the gift of life. And we ask your Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us as we seek to follow you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.